What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things. And as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started Picture Lock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post-production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR. Finally, a partner as passionate as you. to another unlocked episode of the world-famous, award-winning Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, and lover of film and TV. You can find all the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. This unlocked episode features a couple of interviews ahead of the DC Asian Pacific American Film Festival, which will be taking place this weekend in Washington, D.C. Visit apafilm.org for details and be on the lookout for my regular Friday radio show and podcast release, which will feature more filmmakers from the fest. But in order to get everyone that I interviewed in ahead of the fest, I had to release a couple interviews ahead of time. So today I talk with Ted Adams, the writer, director, producer of Othello San. I also talk with writer star Joy Reggiano and director Bernard Battian of I Won't Miss You. Now, both of these films will be playing at the fest, so this is a great way to get a little insight before you check it out if you live in the D.C. area, or you may want to catch these films when they're in a festival near you. As always, for Unlocked episodes, I'm going to get my usual inspill out of the way and let you know that you can find Picture Lock on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, and Periscope. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Pull out your phone, download the Stardust app, and follow me at Picture Lock Show. Stardust is an app where true film and TV fans share 3 to 30 second video reactions to movies, shows, and trailers. I've really enjoyed being on it thus far because I can get my thoughts out pretty quickly. And guys, like right now, I am like on fire. I am putting out these reactions maybe maybe almost once a day, one a day at least, because I watch so much TV and movies. I just want you to come check me out, follow me on this app. I am not an affiliate, but it's just so fun to put out these reactions and check out what other people think of different films and TV shows, even trailers. So anyway, Stardust, at Picture Lock Show. Yes, get it, download it. <laughs> you can download the podcast and iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, and other places podcasts are downloaded. In fact, if you have it, tell your Amazon device, Alexa, play Picture Lock and TuneIn, and boom, I am right there. 
feel free to do it because I do it every week. It's fun. It makes me feel like I'm someone. <laughs> feel free to give the show a hearty review as well if you're enjoying it. Don't forget to check out the website, picturelockshow.com, for movie reviews, news, and to subscribe to our newsletter to get a chance to win tickets for movie screenings in the DMV. Now, be sure to subscribe to the channel on YouTube by visiting youtube.com slash picturelockshow. I just released my analysis of Childish Gambino's This Is America from a film critic's perspective, and I had a lot of fun breaking down the elements of cinema that he used for that work of art. So I definitely want you to check that out. Leave a comment, leave a like, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. Send me an email if you're enjoying the show, or give me feedback at picturelockshow at gmail.com. All music is done by Mike S. The Prophet 13. Thanks, bro. And with that, let's get into the unlocked version of my conversations with Ted Adams, Joy Reggiano, and Bernard Battian. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and in Othello-san, a celebrated young African-American actor enrolls at a prestigious theater school in Japan to play the lead role in Shakespeare's Othello, only to find his dreams of greatness are tempered by an instructor who challenges him to question his reason for being there. I have writer, director, producer Ted Adams on the line with me. Ted, welcome back to Picture Lock. Hey, it's great to be back, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> so, folks, if you do your homework, you will know that Ted was on Picture Lock Radio Episode 1, in which he came on with Jay Jameson, and they talked about uh, Try, which was uh, the feature-length film that Ted produced. Uh, but he's back now with his directorial debut of Othello's Son. Uh, so, Ted, if we could, let's let's talk a little bit about Try, just kind of jog the audience's memory on what the film is about. But then if you could talk about what you learned in working on that film that has helped you for um, today's film, Othello Song. Sure. So Try came about because I'm a triathlete myself. I've done two Ironman. I finished, didn't win them, finished two Ironman uh, triathlons. And basically, it's about a woman who, who's a, who's a care, uh, health care giver who's inspired by one of her patients to do a triathlon and she joins a team and she, you know, finds out how crazy it is to be in this particular sport. And, um, and she goes through her journey because her, her backstory, she has a habit of not finishing things. So the whole idea of the movie try, which is a feature narrative is to talk, tell the story of people who overcome obstacles, whether it's not finishing something or just coming over self doubt, things of that nature. And, you know, getting into a new world and trying new things and, and, um, and also helping people along the way. And then also being humble enough to not only inspire others through your actions, but be inspired by, um, by the actions or bravery of, of, other, of other folks. So it's, uh, that, that's a good journey. And, you know, what, what we did with making that film is I wrote the, uh, co-wrote the, the, uh, the screenplay. And then um, uh, Russell Williams uh, II, who is the two-time Academy Award winner, I'm sure you know Russell very well, he, mm-hmm. um, he introduced me to Jay Jameson to be our director. And Jay came in, who's also a writer, very good writer, and he basically rewrote the story that <laughs> I put down on paper <laughs> and uh, added a lot to it, and um, so we made that film together. So my first foray into to filmmaking was a feature film. And after that, I, I've written a lot of other you know, either feature films or, or um, shorts, but my son was um, going to school in Japan, 
And for my own personal background, I've actually I went to school in Hong Kong, so I studied uh, Mandarin and Asian business practice as part of my part of my MBA program at UCLA. And and I've worked since then overseas in geez, every continent except Antarctica. So I have a habit of going into different different worlds and, and discovering new cultures and 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 how to work with different folks. And what I found in doing that is that you basically focus on. Um, if, you know, when I want to do, do my homework, I study a, a, a country's religion, the language, their um, culture, so that when I have a business interaction, it's, I, I can do it from a sense of perspective of where they're coming from. Mm. So with my son, who's an actor, who's also he's in the he actually started on the telephone. He went to go to school in Japan because he loved, loves the culture and and wanted to do, be an actor over there. And he he got hit with you know what it's like as an African American, even as an American to go to Japan to be an actor. And when he, you know, they, when he first got there, they said, hey, you know, you're, you're a nice young man, but you don't speak Japanese. So he enrolled in a Japanese school. He learned to speak the language very, very well, actually. And um, I'd never say anybody's fluent. I'm not even fluent in speaking English. But um, he, did, he, did, he did fine. And then uh, he went back for more auditions. And he said, well, you're... Your Japanese has gone way up, and but you've got a little bit more work to do. And and then, lo and behold, his visa was running out. So you know he got frustrated. So we had a we literally had a text conversation about what he was going through, and I was trying to encourage him. But what I told him as a filmmaker is that if you want to be an actor, it's that's fine. I mean, follow your dream, you know, pursue your passion, and, and be the best you can. But from a business standpoint, it's also good to be a producer. And like Sylvester Stallone did, you know, if you want to you want to be an actor, make your own story and then put yourself in the picture. So what he did, what we did was I said, oh, as we were doing this conversation, I literally drew, drew up the notes for what became a fellow song. And then I sat down uh, the next afternoon and wrote up a screenplay. And I said, Hey, this is not too bad. So we I sent it out <laughs> to a few festivals. We, we, um, we won six awards and, and, um, then I said, I'm going to go ahead and shoot this thing. And we, we brought in some, a great casting director and Van Chapman down in Virginia and, and then, um, and then as an engineer, because my, my background is in engineering, I, I always thrive on, you know, surrounding myself with, with really smart people that raise the, raise the tide for everybody. So I went back to my friends at, at Tribe, for example, Jay, who was, um, I kind of mentor him on business sides and he mentors me on filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he agreed to kind of shadow me and um, kind of be my horse whisperer as <laughs> I was directing the film. <laughs> so, and it, it's been a great experience. I find this really interesting because, um, you know, you, you can't you can't really tell by watching the film that this is from a first time director. Um, and I think it's really smart to definitely surround yourself with uh, the people that are, you know, a little more advanced than you in some ways. Um, but obviously, after doing um, try, I'm sure that you, you had a lot of education under your belt in terms of making a film. And so I kind of want to just dig into and dissecting a little bit of Othello-san. There's a few things that stand out to me, right? So one, uh, the language uh, within the film. I, and I think uh, it's on multiple levels. So let's just say that uh, the umbrella here for this conversation is language, right? Because from the script level, right, you have a certain uh, pacing and uh, intonation and all that kind of stuff that's within the script, right? There's a rhythm, almost like... Uh, you know, a Shakespeare play and how Shakespeare's words are used, right? And then on top of that, mm-hmm. you're dealing with, um, you know, the, the film itself is sometimes it's English, sometimes it's Japanese. 
Um, so you have that language. And then on, on top of that, right, is the language of film. And I think that that uh, plays heavily into um, how you relay this story, um, which I could speak about why, but just in terms of kind of going into the, um, you know, this big umbrella, if you could talk a little bit about language and how it was important to you as the writer uh, and infusing that into the film. Yeah, I'm glad you, you saw those things because it, 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 the layering is, is very important. Because and, and I'm really glad you're talking about story first because that's the most important thing about making any film. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a solid story with, with good um, backgrounds for every, every key actor. That, that's a backstory's got to be there. Mm-hmm. So in this case, when, when Jason, the, uh, the African-American student, arrives in, in, in this uh, theater group, he, uh, he meets a young lady who's who you know ex, you know walks up to him and, and he kind of she confronts him and says you know hi I'm introduced herself and they're speaking English and you know she comes in and she's talking about how it's nice that he's part of the group and and he's a nice guy because you know he's he's wants to explore he's done some good things in his own country and then he starts talking with her in English and um, but she has a kind of a British accent and that kind of went back to when I was in Hong Kong as a student I met. Because Hong Kong at the time was still a part of uh, Great Britain. It was a British territory. And you see a lot of Chinese people walking around with British accents, which is kind of strange um, if you're not used to seeing that. Right. So, so when he, when he, he, he hears this, uh, this accent and this uh, Japanese um, actor, and he's like, you know, what's up with the accent? <laughs> and she said she wants to, to go study. She, you know, she loves Shakespeare. And she wants to go perform in the Globe Theater. And then the American, Jason, immediately says, oh, you want to be in... Um, you want to be in movies. <laughs> he starts doing what Americans tend to do when they first meet. We want to, we want to help people, but we want to, we want to help them thinking they want to be like us. Right. Like a very common American theme. So, and then he, and then he also talks about, well, I thought this was going to be in Japanese. And she said, yeah, absolutely. But she wants to really hone her craft and, in, in, um, in with the British thing. And then he basically, he, he's like talking about how he can help her get to movies. Again, something she never mentions. And um, she's like, well, yeah, I can, I could love to do movies, but again, that's not a part of her, her, her journey in, in, in her mind. So then Jason says, okay, well, that's great. And then, um, then he says, you know, you should go study with the American students in, in, in Okinawa. And she's like, well, this is the best school in all of Japan. And again, he's thinking because of what he wants to do. And so that there's a whole disconnect as far as his perception and her perception. And then, then they then they switch. Then she reminds him that this is the best theater school in all of Japan, but she starts speaking Japanese. And then from then on, the, the original screenplay was going to be all in Japanese. And then, um, and then, <laughs> then as we as it got, and I knew having the um, some of the actors there, they not only have to speak Japanese, you know, perfectly, but they would have to perform in Shakespeare in Japanese. And um, so, I, you know, I was thinking, well, Theo is going to be doing his uh, his the best he possibly can, but he's going to be really challenged doing this whole, this whole movie in the, in, in that language. So there was a deliberate breakdown as he's um, in his performance where he does the best he can, but then, you know, he kind of starts to, to falter. And when you see it, you'll, you'll see it's a very natural kind of a breakdown. And, um, and then, the, then the instructor kind of takes over from there, but um, and then the instructor does his thing. And, you know, we've had some, we have a really great actor, Yuki Matsusaki, who gives a phenomenal performance. I think he just won um, uh, Best Actor in the, uh, in the Nova Festival back in Virginia. 
and um, he he just knocks out of the park. And and again, originally though his his whole dialogue was going to be in Japanese, but he did such a great job in English that it was best to do it that way. And plus, even with the um, with the Shakespeare, is as anybody who's ever studied Shakespeare, it's like its own language, mm-hmm. and um, and it's tough. Even the Japanese performers were saying this is hard for us in Japanese, and this is our native language. So um, right. So it's one of those things where it's it, and it's also perspective. You know, Jason's coming with his perspective. Uh, the Japanese students have their perspective, and then you know how they deal with um, treating with each other's histories and traditions and backgrounds. It's all it all kind of layers in, like you said. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the director of Othello Son, uh, Ted. I think. One of the things that, and I want to really get into this because you know you're an African American, uh, you know, writer, director, producer. So you know all of your life history, you know, is brought into this film. And one of the things that I think is kind of highlighted here is crossing cultures, right? And so I think it's really interesting because this being you know African American kid that's trying to um, cross over into Japan and um, becoming, you know, a great actor over there, it's kind of, it's really different from what we usually think of when you think about, you know, a black man trying to navigate white-dominated America, right? And and those mm-hmm. kinds of struggles, cross-cultural struggles that we might see in a, a film like this if it was him trying to get into, you know, the theater in America, right? And so right. because of that, I think it, it kind of disarms us as viewers, or at least maybe for me as an African-American viewer. It disarmed me because this is something totally different. But then at the same time, I think it has this universal uh, story of um, trying to, uh, in some ways, assimilate into culture, but then also you know, just being yourself in an environment where you may be uh, the minority, or I think, which you know, his teacher throughout the film really schools him on. Hey, like you said, having the proper perspective and not coming into a situation and trying to take it over, um, but instead, you know, just kind of um, giving respect. And so I, I, that's the one thing I want to know from you in terms of as the writer director. Obviously, you just kind of explained how your son. Um, played a huge part in kind of, you know, you coming up with the story. But what was the story that you wanted audiences to to leave with? Because I think, um, and I know how I felt after watching the film, but I definitely feel as though uh, it could speak to a lot of people. And I, f- I feel like it's one of those films that, like, everybody would kind of dr- come away with the same thoughts. But But just in terms of, like, your history, your background, and then, everything coming to this point to write the story, what is it that you wanted the audience to take away? Well, the, the takeaway for me is I wanted people to have an appreciation for when they, when they enter or interact with another culture, doing their best to try to understand where they were, who they're speaking with and try to put yourself in the other person's shoes and how to, and, and really give respect to the other culture that you're dealing with. I mean, the story that, you know, I, of course my son helped uh, with the impetus of the story, but it's really kind of a letter from my old self to my young self. And, you know, when you talk to your son, that, that's, that's a natural thing to happen. But mm. so it's really, it's really having an appreciation and the importance of the, doing your homework before you get there. The, the thing about, the thing that's kind of neat about it being set in Japan 
other than the language and the, and the rich tradition of the Japanese culture, is that um, <laughs> I've worked in Japan, and it's really funny to see my um, white American friends go there and get hit with um, with racial issues and being treated as a second class citizen mm. <laughs> and told that they can't they can't rent a house or, or go to certain restaurants because they're not Japanese, and it and for their faces to drop, it's hilarious to me because it's like you know welcome like welcome to my world <laughs> right. <laughs> And then the, the issues like there's some symbolism with the masks in the, in the film because um, one of the things that I wanted to address with this film was, you know, the, historically, like, you know, you had all these, these great movies that were made with, um, with white actors playing, playing minorities. So, like, you know, when it, when I, I, I say my, I, I'm, I, I'm bald. I say I cut my hair off because of Yul Brenner, but um, for the cool look. But, you know, you had you know, King of Thailand played by a white man, um, mm-hmm. Moses. All these, you know, those great Ten, ten Commandments, all, all white. So you can be an African, African um, uh, pharaoh, but there's no, there's no black guys there. Even as recently as what a couple of years ago with the uh, Christian Bale and those guys. I mean, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. but um, but you don't see. But until you know the movie um, uh, to the to the to the play Hamilton came out, you don't really see African Americans playing other parts because it's just taboo. But there's a big thing going on right now with. Um, with an African American playing, um, who's it in Troy, playing uh, Achilles? Oh like, yeah. Well, what the heck, man? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is in the Mediterranean. There's a very high probability that it could happen. But even if it couldn't physically happen, so what? I mean, that's the kind of limitations we're talking about. So, it's the but the cool things again. Getting back to the to the walk takeaway is is learning the other cultures, um, having a an appreciation for for a different kind of perspective, and it. The, the dream shot for this particular film for me is to get it out to students and to schools, especially for folks who want to do international um, business or, or in, who want to study abroad. Um, I'm actually right now in Los Angeles at the Asian um, Asian uh, Pacific American uh, Asian Pacific uh, Film Festival, Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, and they have some of the best films. I mean, it's an Academy Award qualifying film festival. I've seen some phenomenal films. But um, I'm seeing all these these great Asian actors who are looking at this film, and they're like looking at me and looking at Theo, going, you know, what's what's going on with these guys? <laughs> but you know, I've never seen so many Asian filmmakers in one spot. From here, we go up to the Cam Fest up in San Francisco, that has 27,000 attendees, and then we come back to, of course, the APA Film Festival this coming weekend. So, um, but again, it's been it, it's I'm hearing the because I've been to many many African American you know functions where people talk about the struggles that we go through. It's very interesting to hear the, um, the same conversations that the Asian community is having uh, for filmmakers, and um, and you know, getting the the whole they call it the whitewashing for Asians and stuff like that, and, mm-hmm. and what they go through. But it's um, and uh, but the best thing I'll tell you, is, uh, Kevin, the best thing that's happened so far on this trip is we've been invited to go to a school in Koreatown to talk to high school students and show the film and have a conversation about their their perspective on what they've seen in the, in the film. And when we did, I know we did our test screenings for for Othello song. We showed it in Japan, at some colleges, and we showed it in in Baltimore, Maryland, at some colleges. And the, and the level of dialogue has been great, and but it's always been very different. We have different generations who look at it and have come away with a different thought. And I guess as a filmmaker, it's great to see or hear people have that debate over something you've made, which if nothing else will cause people to have a conversation. So there's not supposed to really be there's not really one answer here, except that um, you know through Shakespeare, which is I think the, one of the highest uh, 
translated um, books in the world. You know, his his works have been translated translated to many many different languages. To have that as a universal language that they're talking about is um, it's phenomenal. Most definitely. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I've been talking with the writer-director of Othello's Son, Ted Adams. Ted, just wrapping up here, if you could, um, the film will be playing this weekend at the D.C. Asian Pacific American Film Festival. Um, how can people follow the film and, uh, you know, follow you guys on social media, etc.? Well, on social media, it's um, we're on. We have a Facebook page, othello San. The um, on, we have a website, www.othello-san.com, and um, the hashtag is I guess Othello San for uh, for for Instagram. We will be showing our you know posting our different screenings. If anybody wants to see the film, it's, it's going to be shown at the American at the Memorial Navy Memorial Theater on Sunday at two o'clock at the Asian Pacific American Film Festival. And if anybody has any questions, go to our website. We will send it to you. If you're, if you're a teacher, you have no problem sending out the link. We want to get the word out as much as we possibly can. Ted Adams, writer, director, producer of Othello Sun. Thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, everybody. This is Seb Demi, writer, director of Where Branches Break, and you are listening to Picture Lock with Kevin Sampson. Hey guys, jumping in real quick to say we had a misfire in the beginning of this interview where Joy thought I was asking, when did she fall in love with this film? And quite frankly, the mix-up made for an awkward talk after, and I think I sounded like a jerk while it was all in jest. So <laughs> to cover my tracks, I took out the response, but I'm telling you the truth up front right now. So hopefully that kind of makes up for it. Um, but in the interview, you'll hear us reference it. And basically, Joy said that she wrote this after a personal tragedy of losing a friend in a car accident in high school. So you could kind of see how, for you guys, subscribers that obviously listen, with the first question always being, when did you fall in love with film? And then it took that sharp turn. It was, oh, man, it was, it was serious. So... <laughs> Maybe one day I'll release it. Who knows if Joy and uh, Bernard think I should, then I will. But without further ado, here's my jerk-free version of the interview. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. And in I Won't Miss You, 17-year-old Janie's best friend, Tim, begins to appear in her bedroom at night after dying in a car crash, and their awkward, undeclared feelings begin to surface. I have the film's writer star Joy Reggiano and director Bernard Battian on the line. Guys, welcome to Picture Lock. Thanks for having us. <laughs> it's my pleasure. First question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Ladies first. Ah, that's such a hard question. Bernard, do you have an answer? <laughs> um, I think Kev said ladies first. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Um, okay, well, I, I guess... Can, I can uh, go. Go, go ahead, Bernard. Um, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like like everyone growing up, you watch movies with your... Uh, you Movies and uh, TV with your parents. And my my parents, uh, they don't really watch American television or American movies. So every day, pretty much every day, we would go to, like, this Filipino video store and uh, they would pick out their Filipino movies, and I'd watch it with them. But there was a small little, like, section with, like, American new movies, and I'd get to, like, pick one. And uh, <laughs> I'd, get, I'd get to, like, watch whatever 
whatever was in this tiny section with like seven movies because right. like they were you know it was like cheap it was like older movies but like i'd get to i'd watch those with my dad and my mom and uh that's that's when i fell in love with film uh, for me, um, I watch my favorite movie ever is The Iron Giant. I just always love cartoons. I watched Nickelodeon growing up. Um, I eventually interned there when I was in college. But um, but when I watched The Iron Giant, it was just like amazing. It was like everything that I love. Like it has a strong social message, but you know it's not obvious. It's not in your face, and it's like really entertaining and funny and smart, and heartbreaking and poignant. So The Iron Giant. So did you enjoy? Uh, did you see Ready Player One? I didn't, but uh, uh, I really should. Yeah, they, there's a good reference in there to the Iron Giant. But um, yeah, it's funny because I just introduced my kids to uh, the Iron Giant, and actually, when I introduced them to it, that was my first time watching it. So I don't, I definitely understand what the hype is about that film. Um, but it's great choices. I love asking that question because it helps me to kind of get to know uh, you guys a little bit. But there's so many different universal truths within those answers that we can all relate to. So if you guys could, like, really quickly, um, kind of how did you guys get in the industry and just teaming up for this film? Uh, well, I like I said, I entered at Nickelodeon in college. Um, I majored in theater as well. So I, you know, I, I, did, I studied it a little bit in school, and then I just moved back home to L.A., because um, my parents are in Orange County, um, and then I, and from there I started booking acting work and, and writing. Um, for me, uh, I made I made a feature, like a small feature, with my friends in undergrad, and uh, I didn't really, we didn't really know what we were doing. We just made it. It started getting into like festivals and stuff, and I got to play it kind of around the country at different like colleges. Um, but I majored. I was like a marketing like business major. And so I kind of didn't know what I was doing. I kind of sat on my hands, uh, moved home. I was like teaching for a little bit. And then it kind of came to a point where they wanted me to like be like a full-time teacher and like take on like this department. But like, it was like, that was really cool. But if I knew if I took that, I would never go to Los Angeles. So like I said no to that. I moved to Los Angeles. I worked on like a very small uh, like indie movie called Herpes Boy, which my friend was like shooting. <laughs> um, it, it it won Herpes Boy won the comedy award at Austin Film Festival like the year after. So yeah, uh, it, it was it was like a weird movie to work on, but it was like oh this is like great like there there's all these people here and um and then I just lo I worked in reality for about a year and then uh, found my way to UCB went to like UCLA professional program and then uh. Ended up doing grad school at LMU, and now I work. Uh, I've been working uh, last couple of years, like as an assistant in television. So, uh, yeah, that kind of catches up to whenever when I bump into when I bump into joy. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the writer star of I Won't Miss You, Joy Reggiano, and the director Bernard Badian. Um, so, you know, Joy, I think you eloquently explained, um, you know, what inspired <laughs> this film at the outset. And, you know, that was the thing that um, as I watched it, I, I was like, Man, this feels super personal. Um, and I think uh, that's one of the, the questions and what I want to talk to you guys about is it really did feel personal. And, and for me personally, as I watched it, you know, it's these two characters that have their own chemistry and back and forth in terms of the dialogue. But at the same time, I thought that it felt like a more universal story of how we deal 
with grief. And in this case, you know, a life that's taking, taken early um, from the film's main character and how she deals with that loss. So if you could, guys, um, and Joy, we could start with you. If you could just kind of explain, like, how writing this um, was uh, cathartic for you, but then also uh, a means of, you know, talking about how we as humans deal with grief. Uh yeah, no, I mean, grief is such a difficult thing because there's also, like, the idea of, like, ownership, too. Like, it's like, well, he was just my friend. Like, do I really deserve to feel this sad or, you know? Um, and when I wrote it, it was it was definitely cathartic. I mean, at that time, I was only three years off from it or two, I forget. But, yeah, it had only been a couple years. And so I had, I guess, I mean, I had definitely processed it at the time that it happened. But writing it out kind of, like, kind of helped me figure out the details of it and and kind of go down this memory lane of like what if because we did kind of have like a will they won't they briefly like you know like it was like I felt like he maybe liked me and you know we had these aim conversations and I did draw a lot on a, of personal details of like um you know the, uh, his nicknames for me are like our conversations late at night and, and kind of how we were like our, how he was and how I was. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and then I, I guess also just kind of acting uh, in the film, you know, what was that like for you? Um, you know, what's funny is I actually am a very much into comedy, and so drama stresses me out. Every time I get a drama audition where I got to cry, I'm like, this is the worst. But I was like, well, how hard will this be? Like, I'm I'm being myself, really, and this actually happened to me. <laughs> but it, actually, you know, that, that scene at the end where I have to cry, like, that was very, that was actually kind of difficult to get there. And, of course, I was there every second except when we were filming it. Right, right, right. <laughs> but Bernard really helped me get there. Bernard was like, you know, he, like, whispered stuff to me, and he's really great at working with actors. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah, so, Bernard, if you could, um, you know, kind of what attracted you to the material? And um, just, again, talking about, um, how we uh, deal with grief, and how did how did that come out for you as the director? Oh, for sure. Um, it's it's easy. Uh, Joy um, Joy was asking me for notes on this script because uh, she said she was she she's trying to make it, and she she didn't know. Um, she kind of wrote like different versions of it, but um, it's kind of stayed the same. But um, I knew Joy, and I was like, yeah, I'll give you some notes. I read it the first time and I was like blown away. I was like, man, this is so, this is, it feels so real and it feels, and it's so, it's so sad, but the dialogue is really funny, but it's, I, I was just really like kind of taken by the material. So I, I kind of, I, I was going through a, a, a program at that time at uh, film independent where I had access to a bunch of equipment and different things to like make something. And I kind of had something else planned. But the second I read Joy's script, I was like, oh, man, the next time I talk to Joy, I should, like, I need to direct this. So <laughs> I read I read the, I had literally read the script again, and I kind of made a bunch of notes. Joy thinks she's just going to get, like, notes from me. And then, um, and then I, like, I, like, hey, Joy, can we talk about this script? And then, like, we meet up, and I pretty much tell her, like, hey, this is how I see this. Um, I would love to, I don't know who's going to direct it, or I don't know you have funding or whatever but i have all this stuff i'd like to make it like i want to make this like in the next like couple months and uh like what do you think and uh good thing like joy was really open to it and like you know like and and just kind of liked my take on it because uh i mean if someone else made it great i mean awesome that that uh joy's work gets out there and this gets out there but 
man, I was, I was, uh, I really, really wanted to make it after like that first read. So, um, yeah, just got, I guess I guess just got lucky that Joy said, yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> it's Picture Hawk. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the writer star of I Won't Miss You, Joy Reggiano, and director Bernard Battian. Uh, guys, unfortunately, we're going to have to bring this interview to a close. But, folks, you can see this film at the DCAPA Film Festival this weekend. Uh, guys, if you could, let folks know how they can follow you online and social media. Um, I'm just, uh, if you search, I'm at Joy Regaliano on Twitter and Instagram. And on YouTube, just search um, JK Regaliano or White Fetish and you will find me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can find me at uh, uh, Bernard Badian on uh, Twitter. That's B-E-R-N-A-R-D-B-A-D-I-O-N. And then uh, just my last name on Instagram, B-A-D-I-O-N. Um, I pretty much uh, update whatever I'm working on uh, on Instagram. So, um, yeah, please follow. <laughs> A white fetish and herpes boy. You guys know how to pick them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. guys. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.